Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. And I'm Zachary Adam Meisterhammer. And we're back with another packed episode of MLS, Canadian Premier League, League 1 BC and just general Canadian football chat. We've got a lot to bring you in this episode, but good to have you back on the show, Zach. Had to do it all myself down the the coast last week. From your seaside villa? It was lovely, sitting on my deck, the the views. It it was a wonderful trip I had down the, the Oregon coast. If I was to say three words to you, chubby little mermaid, what would you think? Fish and ship place? Huh. I thought you were going to say, was that my little pet name for Caitlin these days? But no, it's not. Although it might be after we ate at Chubby Little Mermaid, maybe a, a few too many times. It's now my favourite uh, bakery and cafe down the oh, Oregon coast. It's in Seal Rock. And, oh, they do some fantastic stuff. We we went there a little bit too often. <laughs> oh, my God. I feel like a Chubby Little Merman now. There you go. Yeah. Have I salvaged that back? A chubby little mer-couple? Yeah, oh, that's nice. <laughs> Factor Annie, our dog, into that as well. But no, did, it was a nice little the pastries? Did Annie eat the pastries? No, she she was quite good. She didn't eat anything she shouldn't have eaten. That's good. She loves it on the beach. Coming from Mexico, where she lived two minutes from the beach. So it was nice for her to get back. There. It's like a homecoming. Also, it was crazy hot coming home. Uh, oh, 33 yeah. degrees. My car peaked at, at various stages, but yeah, it, it was lovely. How has your two weeks been? Uh, well, the big thing, of course, is uh, last weekend was uh, Brick Can. Yes. Are you familiar? You, have we talked about this before? Yep. You, so you do. Le- Lego convention? Yeah. And you have that. It's like instead of like walking on the hot coals, you try and walk over Lego bricks or something. That's... Oh, there, there is challenges, but that's not one of them. Ah, they, they should have that. That'd be awesome. Lots of speed builds and. Oh, uh, did you win anything? Did I win anything? I, dude, I was uh, once again. Do you know you know Andrew Del Bar? Yes. Yeah, he does. Puts on a Lego football tournament, and I'm always horrible. 
um this time i or always i always I, my, I always like get knocked out before there's like a, a prize but the lego football tournament is the ball not rectangular no the ball is round my friend like your friend's podcast hey uh, <laughs> it's like eve's podcast no uh it's it's a, we, we need to play sometime it's great it's it's a lot of it's like sabudio but better i was gonna say is that like sabudio oh, yeah but, but much better much better and we play is it what is it five aside or six aside it's a yeah you you, you can set up bigger if you want but the oh, tournament no, Andrew, no, Andrew, Andrew does an amazing Andrew does an amazing job he does it every year at Brick End he was also one of the hosts uh for the weekend which he, again he also he's an incredible he's an incredible public speaker um but no I had a lot of fun I was in that tournament I was in the random teams team speed build and I was in the master build which is you you do just because you get lots of great lego out of it and so i'm not a great builder but i but i actually probably had my best build uh based uh compared to previous years when i, I did it one other year and this one was my build was better um this time not award-winning but better oh. uh, and then there was a lot of famous lego people there's there a bunch of lego masters people there uh from the lego masters tv show which i know you and caitlin watch loyally oh yes um it was a lot of fun and then i also oh this was the, this was the this was the most fun part uh, my buddy had a, a vendor booth, and so I had like half I had like half his booth to sell some of my Lego, which was a lot of fun. Like it's I'm not I'm not a salesman, Michael, but like I can sell something when I know about it. Ah, you know what I mean, so maybe I should maybe I should go one year. Totally, I, Dude, I, I've been I've been to uh, Bread Can where I entered the the Master Baker competition and the tournament, um, and then the Fish Can the fishing tournament. Where one of the competitions was like you had to get the the bait on the hook, and you could be the master baiter by the end of that. <laughs> oh, Michael! Classic Michael McCall. Um, no, seriously though, we we could get you in because there's a there's a friends and family night where you get people in. So next year oh, I'll try and get you in. I, I, I genuinely am now intrigued by Lego soccer so we'll look into that we could yeah. have a a night we can play lego soccer subutio i've also got this thing called super striker which you push the the heads down and it kicks the the ball and stuff so yeah we'll, we'll get that sorted it'll go with all our games nights and stuff yeah. that we're doing for the videos that we never ever do so anyways shout out shout out to andrew delbar i don't know if you i don't know if he still listens but he quality, quality good who, who doesn't but i mean the feast of football in the lower mainland has continued over the last two weeks, especially this weekend. League One BC kicked off. We'll cover that in part three. The Provincial Cup finals as well took place this weekend. The men on the Saturday, the women on the Sunday. I went to the BB5 Croatia Provincial Cup final on Saturday night. Fantastic game. Went to penalties. There was a sending off. Um, I heard it was the, the match of the night in Vancouver. Well, it was. I mean... The, the choice, do I go and see an MLS match at BC Place with the Whitecaps or do I go to the Provincial Cup final that I followed all the way from the first round through? I think I made the, the good choice. I think so. And it was a nil-nil draw. I did come home and watch the, the Whitecaps game in full. I'd avoided the score, did not know what was going to happen in it, had a pretty rough idea what I thought was going to happen. I thought it was going to be nil-nil or one-nil because I'd said to... to Felipe, that's been on the show and writes for AFTN and stuff, he was at the TSS game in the afternoon and then going to that, and I was like, it's going to be a crap game. So I thought 0-0 <laughs> or 1-0, I 
and it, it did prove to, to be that. And that's how we're going to kick off this part. We're, we're going to build. We're going to build from the worst game and, and work our way up as, as the show yeah. goes on to the, the excitement that is coming next weekend out in Langley. But we are going to start talking Whitecaps in this part. A second straight 0-0 draw. Extending the Whitecaps' run, their unbeaten run, to seven games. Not loads to talk about from the game itself, so we're going to talk about some other aspects coming out of it. Because as soon as you finished watching it, you texted me and said, because I was at a meeting, you texted me and said, don't watch the full game, only watch the highlights. I don't even remember doing that. Did I do that? Well, you definitely said only watch, yeah, just watch the highlights. Yeah, there definitely was no need I mean, it felt like a wasted opportunity for oh, the Whitecaps. Yeah. They dominated possession. They dominated shots. I mean, Yarborough was excellent. He was. Spent some fantastic saves in that Colorado goal. Colorado, they're pretty stingy defensively this year. And they were clearly happy there to, to go and get a point if they could and if they could sneak something on the counter and get all three. I mean, that would be fantastic. The biggest talking point, of course, yeah. was the late penalty that Colorado got. It was a, a clear penalty for me, and Javane Brown had been having a really good game. And yeah. he's he's got this little defensive slips that he does every now and again. So you, okay, so I'll take your word that he was having a good game. I, saw I know some he people, was, yeah. I saw some people ragging on him. And I thought it, it Offensively, made, he was having a good game. They made it sound like, yeah, he was not good throughout the game. No, he got he got a few good crosses and he was good going okay. forward. Vanny said afterwards that he felt Javain was having a great game, but after giving away the penalty, he could just say that he had a good game. That's probably a fair way to mm. to sum up his night. But I mean, he he pulled the guy, but it was a stupid challenge. I don't know what he was doing, yeah. but the penalty, Rubio takes it. Takaoka comes up with a big save, and it was. It, it's one of those where. As a goalkeeper, whenever you save a penalty, it's a good save. Yeah. But it was also a, a not well-taken penalty. Yes. If you guessed the right way on that penalty... You had it. You, you had it. But it was interesting afterwards, Takaoka saying that he'd been given the prep beforehand, so he looked at his wrist as to what way Rubio was going to go, and it was right. Yusef had given him the right thing, and he dived that way. That's the kind of little fascinating insights that oh, yeah. I, I love hearing stuff like that. Totally. Because you always think, oh, they've done the prep beforehand. Never think they've got it written on their wrist. Yeah. And they're just going to have a quick look down and that's what they're going to do. Well, it's a reminiscent of, uh, for me, yeah, the shooter I went to, uh, Germany, Argentina. I think they gave, they came out and Oliver Kahn had a sheet. He was the backup keeper to Jens Lehmann. And he gave him a sheet. Their, yeah, see that I, I've I've seen it before, or they have it in their little bag and they take yeah, out and not, have a look, no. but not just written like that. Just yeah. little things like that just fascinate me with the game. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. it was good for Takaoka, who obviously had a bit of a up and down start, maybe to to the season. A couple of goals he probably wants back, but I mean, he's he's doing really well. He's looking really solid there, and yeah. I mean, but we'll get into to some of the. The positives and negatives, I think, we, we can take from the, the current Whitecaps run. And it's a definite two points dropped from this yeah. game for me. But they do finish the weekend and having come off a bye week as well, still in the playoff spots in ninth. 
Looking at some of the positives first. Seven games unbeaten now. They're three shy of equaling the record that the Whitecaps have set in the MLS era back in 2021. Interestingly, both of those under Vanny. So he's maybe a little bit maligned for some of his stuff at times, but it maybe just shows you <laughs> that he does seem to get something out of his clubs, something out of these players and these teams. But if memory serves me correctly, there's a lot of draws in both those runs. Still unbeaten, but yeah. Yeah. The 2021 was a bit better because there was more wins in that because they were doing that big streak. Yeah. Now, this one, obviously, there is five draws in those seven games, which is then one of the negatives because you're leaving points on the table. So, yeah, unbeaten in seven looks great. It's the same with Colorado. They're unbeaten in six, but four of those are draws. And aside from the penalty miss, they'll be cock-a-hoop to you know, get, out of, get out of BC place. They're not a good road team in general. Yeah. Of their history, and so to get out of uh, get a point on the road, I think for them will be a, 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 a meaningful boost. Yeah, like before the game, they would have taken that. After it, yeah. they'll be gutted that they didn't bury the penalty. Another big positive for the Whitecaps: four hundred and ten minutes now without conceding an MLS goal, the longest streak in MLS this season. They've still got a long way to go. To match the record, I had a little delve into this, because again, this is the kind of stuff that fascinates me. Houston Dynamo went 727 minutes in 2007, and that's the the longest ever streak. So they've, they've still got over 300 minutes to, to match that. They're not even in the top 10 with their 410 minutes. They'd need another 95 minutes to take the 10th place for the, the longest times without conceding a goal. Was that Onstead who had that streak for Houston? Uh, it- no. It was uh, Tony... Oh, no, that was at KC. Oh, actually, it might have been Onstead. Or it might have been a mix because... Like, Takaoka's close to setting the record for the Whitecaps shutout record. But that's still got a long way to go because the record in MLS is Tony Miola. Oh, wow. KC, who yeah. had 681 minutes in 2000. So Houston must have had a couple of keepers in that spell. Do you remember him from the the 94 team? He was the goalie? Yes. I remember he kicked a few field goals or something for like the New York Jets or something. Yeah. Yeah. I'd forgot about that, actually. Yeah. So, I mean, Takaoka is is doing well in that regard. No goals conceded at BC Place in 355 minutes. The record for not conceding goals at home came in 2000 from KC with Tony Miola, 817 minutes they went without conceding a goal at home. That's quite incredible. Another positive, they are getting the points on the board early, which you do want to get. You want to get through the the first third of the season, first quarter of the season, whatever, with points on the board in the playoff spot, with the hope that you're going to just get better as the year goes on and add to those points. So... I'm taking that as a positive. Yeah. Defensively. Much better. Much better than the last couple of seasons. What we've used to be seeing. As I always say, you keep a clean sheet, you're guaranteed a point. They just have to find out the ways now to get more than that. And they are creating chances because there was 21 shots created in that game. About the defensive improvement, I think also they seem to be... um improving on set plays, which was the bane of their existence earlier in the season. 
And when yeah. it comes to those chances, they created some really great chances. There was, I think it was, oh yeah, they were all in the second half, and there was those three left-footed chances. So you had the 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 second phase of a corner, I think it was from uh, Mark Mar- uh, Martins. You oh had yeah, that was some Ali, some strike. Ali uh, Ali was had his Ali in chance. alone, yeah, almost. And then you had uh, a left-footed strike from uh, the snake-bitten Brian White that couldn't quite get under the keeper. Or Yarborough, who had you know the big game, um, but yeah, so they 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 created quality chances for sure, and, yeah. and said a number like a lot of them. On the defensive side as well, I thought Tristan Blackman was outstanding. He had a couple of big big blocks in there. There was one in the first half. Um, Takoka had made the save and the rebound looked like it was going to get put away by Max, and then Blackman just throws himself in front of him to to block it. Vanny spoke afterwards that he'd had a chat down in Honduras with Blackman saying that he didn't feel that he was getting the best out of him early in the season. And he is such a key player. And we spoke before about it's been a great addition, him and Gress, all that experience. He is starting to come into his own again. And I, I think the way that he's playing and Ranko's starting to find his stride as well. Seems to be a player that is thriving on the confidence. So, I mean, overall, all that is, is the positives. You look at the negative side of things, though. There's five draws in that unbeaten run. Four points have been dropped at home. And these yeah. are the games. You've got to be winning these games. You've got to be making BC place a fortress. It's fine saying, oh, we haven't conceded goals. But... It's- it's for, it's also who, like in this case when you drop them to Colorado, that yeah, hurts. it was Colorado and Dallas teams you could yeah. be fighting for playoff spots or a home playoff berth or avoiding the wild card game, so big big games. I mean it's fine thumping Montreal five 0 and then getting a win against Portland, but you don't want to be losing against these kind of teams. No. Back to back MLS games without a goal. Four of the last five, if you factor in the two Champions League games with LAFC without a goal. Yeah. That is a little bit concerning because you've got gold that's struggling just now. White got a couple of goals, but it still doesn't look great. Cordova could be back in a week or so, but where's his match fitness at? And he wasn't exactly gelling and clicking with the team before he got the injury. Simon Betcher rode that wave and has kind of dropped off a little bit as well I, I do, I'm starting to wonder where these goals are, are going to come from and that's going to bring me into the big transfer news of the week <laughs> the departure yeah. of Christian Dahomey left winger left back, whatever you want to look at him <laughs> as moving left on out. to DC you left out, <laughs> moving on to DC United 550 in GAM is what the Whitecaps got in return. 350 this year, a conditional 200 on appearances next year. Whitecaps also seem, from the reports, and kind of confirmed that they're going to be paying his salary for the first half of the year as well. How does that work for the salary cap? <sighs> oh, first half of the year. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Initially, it was like it looked like they were paying it for the whole season, which is a case of like, why are you doing this move? But it it feels he was moved on because he didn't fit, 
because he's a winger and Vanny doesn't like wingers, play wingers, should he maybe be playing wingers to get the most out of these chances or do some more creating of the chances? Spread the field a little bit? That's the big question. Yeah, but it, it I mean, it, he doesn't seem super tactically flexible, right? I mean, he, there's flexibility within how he likes to play. But, yeah, the, he, he doesn't want to use wingers, right? He, wing backs, yes. Full backs, occasionally, sure. But not actual wingers. He wants he wants the width to come from those defend, defensive positions as opposed to attacking positions. He wants those attackers inside, the golds, the golds, vites, those kind of players making things happen in there. Uh, and the crossing from the, the wingback fullback is maybe you could say secondary maybe in his ideal setup. So it's not it's not surprising, right? Um, that... No. It, it's just right now, it's hard to see where these goals are coming from. Yeah. And yeah, we hit five against Montreal, but I think that as an outlier, we can pretty pretty much see yeah because uh like what, what they were up against and it was 10 men and they, they didn't push on from that the way i hoped they were maybe going to push on but they, they are creating the chances at least which then makes me think well do they just need different personnel in there should they be looking at, at making an addition offensively in the summer is cordova going to be the answer if he gets fit well, the, the Dajo move gives them an international spot as well, right? Yeah, and there's no point in getting this game if you're not going to do something with it. So I would hope well, something... Well, you say that, Michael, but if you're Greg Kerfoot, your history shows you like to use that to buy down things. So then you don't have to use your own money. Yeah. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that's what they're going to do this time. I'm just saying they've done that plenty. Yeah, I mean, they have... One other thing I want to mention from Saturday was the crowd. It was just over 14,000 that was announced. When I was watching it back on the TV later, I was like, oh, that looks a terrible, terrible crowd. And I know Colorado's maybe not the sexiest opponent. And it was a beautiful night. Folk have find other things to do. Did, like did you know, Provincial Cup final. Did you know that there was a lacrosse match apparently going on? Yeah, I I believe somebody did use that as a, a reason as to why the crowd was low. Is is that what we're competing with now, lacrosse? I think it was lacrosse. To be fair, I did ask someone. I heard it was like their fan appreciation night. Oh, so they were giving things away or giving tickets away, and I think it was like their last. Oh, game. so all the Scottish folk were were at the lacrosse. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'd known I would have headed to that. All I got from being at the provincial cup final was sunburn. Oh. Yeah, I, I heard. Yeah, heard it. You know, you, you people like to talk about the crowd or whatever, and yeah, I mean, um, it was it was a nice day, and they, and they do have a they do have a roof, but yeah. um, yeah, I at least the roof was open. That's true. Yeah, but I mean, it it, it goes down. And we've had this discussion. We won't hash it out again. But folk have been saying to me that they've just lost interest in the team because they're not watching them on TV because of the Apple deal. Oh yeah, I've heard I have heard of, I've heard people talk about it in that context as well. Um I've had a couple of folk message me saying I'm still listening to your podcast but I'm not watching the games. Which is 
That's interesting. Well, well I mean, here, it, here's it, the, it's interesting. Like, I'll, I'll equate this with I, I watch a, a wrestling channel. It's a UK one called Wrestle Talk, and when WWE was really bad for a spell there, folk weren't watching the wrestling, but they were watching their review shows the next day just so they could have them talk about what happened because it was far more entertaining than actually watching the show and a lot less than three hours. Whereas in our case, we're twice the length usually (laughs) of how long the Whitecaps games take. Um, um, Yeah, that's really... That's really interesting that people are saying this to you. Now, this is also an interesting when you talk about the uh, the Apple thing because, again, we don't know the actual number of season ticket holders because the nine thousand that's been given is mm. season ticket and season ticket equivalent. Yeah. So that doesn't mean there's nine thousand people who have the uh, the, the Apple for free or include. Sorry, oh, include of course, yeah, ticket, right. So we don't know what that number is. So uh, yeah, I can see that being I, I can see that being a struggle or a frustration if you're not a season ticket holder. If you are a season ticket holder, you can watch them as much as you want. Mm-hmm. Right? And although and... I, I have two complaints this weekend from the the Apple thing. One, the sound quality was terrible at times in the Whitecaps game. There was a kind of buzz that was during it. They did fix it, but it was really annoying to start with. Secondly. I couldn't watch the WFC 2 game live and then I could not get in to watch. There was no replay of it. They're only showing it live. Mm. So you can't watch it on demand. So I, I missed that, which they ended up losing 2-1. So I just watched the, the highlights. But that was disappointing as well. It's hard to find the games, the WFC 2 games at times on it. On the app? Yeah. But also, right. if they're not there in demand, that's just... That's unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. But again, so how many people have that free with their mm-hmm. season ticket? And then, because those who do, obviously they're not making, they're not in that group that's complaining about not being able to watch the game, right? No, but um, it's the other folk because, I mean, I, I was hoping that this game on Saturday was going to be on TSN. So I'd PVR it and I could, because on the PVR with TELUS, when you fast forward through it, you're watching it. Yeah. But when you fast forward through an Apple, you're not watching it as it fast no. forwards through. That's what I don't like about the streaming things. It's the same with football and one soccer. I like to be able to, if I want to watch the game quicker, do it that way. Yeah, I agree with you. And that was the game on Saturday I really wanted to watch quicker. (laughs) (laughs) But Minnesota But also, also the the number is, also, I think this is important. I think you mentioned it before. The number is 14 out of 34 games are on TSN, right? Yes, yeah. So, some of those are home games, or the bulk of them are home games, which doesn't help because the fans yeah. that would really be interested would be going to those games as well. It's the away mm-hmm. games that you need to have up. You would think they would be like, let's just show away games for the teams so that we're not trying to hit the crowd. Maybe that's something that they'll look at for next year or something, I don't know. But big game coming up next. It's Minnesota's coming to town. They're sitting 7th on 12 points from their 9 games. The Whitecaps are ninth with 11 points from their 9 games, so just a point behind. It's another one of those games that they've, you need the 3 points from this. And it was dropping points to the likes of Minnesota last year that cost them in the end mm-hmm. for, for getting in the playoffs. Literally at the end. Yeah, so that's that's going to be it's going to be an interesting one of how they approach that. The Whitecaps have scored more goals in Minnesota, but obviously it's because they had that thrashing off 
of Montreal earlier, and they've given uh, up less goals in Minnesota as well. I, I, I forgot to check earlier in the year. How long is Reynoso's injury for? Like, how long is he out for? I don't know. But I, 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 I have the game on, on my PBR of, of Minnesota's game from the weekend because it was on TSN um, yeah. on Sunday night. But uh, I haven't watched it yet. I haven't had the chance to, to watch any of the the MLS games from the weekend. So that's why we're not going to do a, a recap of it. Just a couple of things I do want to talk about. Sporting Kansas City oh, lost yeah. at home to Montreal. Yeah. Both the other Canadian teams won this weekend. Yeah. yeah. Montreal get the big, big win that they needed to hopefully kickstart their season now. But Sporting Kansas City still without a win. The only team in MLS without a win. And I don't know, you probably won't have seen this. Har sent it to me, obviously, because it was my BFF, Johnny Russell. Did you see what he said after it? No. It's a 20-second interview, or a 20-second clip, where he's mm-hmm. asked how they turn it around. And three times in that 20 seconds, he's like, I, I, I just don't know how we change this. Wow. Uh, he, he looked just like, I have no idea how we can get out of this. I guess they're now truly living in the in the blue hell that they claim their stadium to be. Yeah, I mean, they are in a a dire state just now. And, I mean, the pressure's got to be mounting on, on Vermees. I mean, the, the Galaxy, though, as well, they're still sitting second bottom. Another defeat for them to, to Orlando at the weekend. Out on top, Seattle... 20 points from their 10 games, St. Louis 19 from their 10, and then LAFC 18 from their 8, still undefeated. It's it's tight just now. Yeah. And it's as long as it stays like this and the Whitecaps keep in touch, it bodes well for how this season will hopefully end. You look at the teams that's outside the playoff places just now, Austin, I still think, will turn things around. And the Galaxy, you kind of have to feel that if they don't turn things around, Vanny's going to be out. And then they're going to be a big spending spree in the summer and probably turn things around. Or will the owners get rid of some of those other guys, like Klein or... Is it Klein? I can't remember now. Mm. Some of the other, you know... Other people have caused issues that have kept their their supporters away, right? Yeah. The the last little thing MLS to talk about is a, a little carrot that Manuel Veth dangled this week on Twitter that he's heard that San Diego is probably the favourite now to get the 30th spot in MLS. So MLS could extend it to 32 teams or he has heard murmurs that a team could move to Las Vegas, which obviously brought out the speculations as to who that might be. Whitecaps in Colorado were mentioned and he said Neither of those, although Colorado would have made a little bit of sense. New York Red Bulls appears to be a team that folk think could be primed for being moved. Which would surprise me a little bit. Weird because they like they do they own they own their stadium, don't they? It's Red Bull Arena, so I would yeah. But I, I mean you look around the league and it's hard to see who who else could relocate. I mean, I, I thought, I mean, would the Galaxy relocate from Carson? No. I mean, sorry. 
To, you mean to Vegas or to to Vegas? Yeah, I I can't see the league wanting that. I mean, I couldn't either because they, they built up the early derby, derby so much. But yeah. yeah, and I mean, San Jose's got their new stadium, so you, you couldn't see them being a team that moved. RSL's got new ownership group, and they've just added a women's team again. So you wouldn't see them being a team that would be likely to move. So that was an interesting one. So let, let us know your thoughts. Who might be the team that could relocate if it isn't any of the teams that we've mentioned? Because I genuinely look around the league, and unless it was maybe Dallas or Houston, because they're just not drawing, and they feel they could maybe do better. I don't know. But that's anyway. A, that's an interesting one. Yeah. That is it for the MLS chat. We're going to take a break from talking about football currently in, in Canada in the next part because we're going to do a book review of sorts as we speak to Farhan Devji chatting about the new book he's got coming out about former Whitecap, current Bayern star and Canadian national team star Alfonso Davies and we'll be back with that interview after this. Hi, I'm Tristan Blackman and this is the AFTN Soccer Show. Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And it's one of those exciting times of the month. It's the start of a new month, so you know what that means. Yes, there's a new Artist of the Month here at AFTN. And for the month of May, we've gone back over to the UK, which we do for most of these, it has to be said. And uh, a band that first came to prominence in the early to mid-90s. You could say they were part of the Britpop scene because they did come out when all the Britpop music was at its height around the world. A very different kind of sound, though, to a a number of the bands, though, that were in that Britpop scene. From Downpatrick, County Down in Northern Ireland, three-piece that soon became a four-piece band called Ash, That was their debut single, released in 1994. It was also on their debut 7-track mini-album called Trailer, and that was Jack Names the Planets. 
And that's the first of two songs from Ash on the show tonight. And we'll also have some great stuff from them all month long. It wasn't the band I initially had planned to have on the show for this month, but on my trip down to Oregon, I dug out my CDs to play in the car and I thought, oh, I've not listened to Ash's Greatest Hits for a while. And thought I'll dig that out, played it on the way down, forgot how many great tunes they've got, thought they've got to be Arts of the Month for the next time we do it, and that is what they have become. So that song there, Jack Names the Planets, maybe one day we'll see a planet, or at the very least a star, named after someone who could, stroke should, become Canada's greatest men's footballer. Alfonso Davies. And of course, we all know the rise of Fonzie in Canadian football. It's been a pleasure to kind of chart his rise and cover the early part of his career when he was here in Vancouver as a Whitecap. We were lucky enough to be one of the, the sites, and I was lucky enough to be one of the people that got the most access to, to Fonzie whilst he was here. Robbo very protective of the player, didn't want him doing tons of media interviews, but trusted us to to handle him properly, and we got to speak to him loads over the years. Someone that got to speak to him even more than that, though, was Farhan Devji, who was working for the Whitecaps at the time. I've known Farhan for a number of years, and as I'm sure you know, Farhan has his debut book, Alfonso Davies, A New Hope, came out, The day that this podcast drops, Tuesday, May 2nd, got a chance to sit down with Farhan last week just to to talk about the book, the rise of Fonzie, everything that went into bringing this out. So go stick the kettle on, grab your biscuit of choice, sit back and enjoy our feature interview for this episode of the podcast with first-time author Farhan Devji. So delighted now to be joined on this show by a man I've known for many a year from his time working at the Whitecaps. He's now a published author and a very exciting book that he's got out as well. It's getting a lot of good publicity and plaudits just now. Welcome to the show, Farhan Devji. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Like, like you said, we've known each other for uh, a while, but we've never done this before. So no, it should should be fun. I know. I should have got you on when you were with the Whitecaps just to, to chat about stuff, but we never did for whatever yeah. ever reasons. But yeah, the reason we've got you on the show this week is to chat about your new book, Alfonso Davies, A New Hope, holding it up to the camera just now, which doesn't help for the podcast, but just to show that I have it with me. And... I've been working my way through it. I'm a slow reader at times when it, it's super busy, but it's been my holiday read and it, it's been a, an excellent book. I mean, how, first thing to ask you, how have you kind of found the initial reaction to it? Because obviously it's not out for sale yet, but I think some advanced copies have gone out to people that That's sorted right. it. That's right, yeah. Yeah, so pre-orders are starting to arrive and it's starting to pop up in, in some stores, even though the official publication date isn't um, until May 2nd. So yeah, starting to get some reaction and and people have been very kind and, and positive. Um, 
actually, you know, speaking to a friend today who, who was reading it, obviously this friend is biased, but she's not, she's not a soccer fan. And, and she said that um, this was not what she was expecting in, in the best of ways. Cause she was worried it would be a lot of soccer that she couldn't really understand. And, and that wasn't the case. So obviously like the, the first chunk of the book is all, all about the backstory of, you know, the Liberian war and Alfonso growing up on the refugee camp and, you know, the transition to like a, a young immigrant family living in Canada, th things like that. So, um, you know, that was, you know, a nice compliment from her. But yeah, overall, the the, the reaction's been been positive so far uh, um, as people kind of start to dig in a little bit. That's a, a good way to describe the book as well, because a lot of football autobiographies in particular, and obviously this is a, a biography, but a lot of the autobiographies, they're quite dull. And it's people that maybe feel they've got a story to tell just because of what they've done on the pitch, but their off-pitch mm -hmm. stuff isn't maybe as interesting as what they've done on the pitch. And a lot of folk know what they do on the pitch. Mm -hmm. But Fonzie's story, to, to come from the, the refugee camp and everything like that, I mean, I I knew little bits about it, obviously, from covering him and the team way, way back when he was here and the stuff that the, the Caps did. But this went into a lot more detail. And there's a lot of stuff in it that that I didn't know. And it's come some of the most interesting parts of the book because it's a fascinating story, just this whole journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and that was my goal because, like you said, his story has been told before. Like you and I have have told it before, but you know, my my goal was to really dig deeper. And and I think part of what has fascinated you know the general public is is the backstory of you know being a refugee and, and where he came from. So I like I ended up speaking to um, a number of different people who lived on the refugee camp at the same time as Alfonso did, just just on background. Um, you know, other refugees themselves. Um, some people with the UN Refugee Agency, some others who were like volunteering with various aid organizations, just to get a full picture of like what life was really like there and why um, it wasn't obviously an ideal, you know, situation to, to be living in, let alone kind of raising a child. So yeah, I really challenged myself to, at every chapter of his career, just really to dig deep and kind of find some unique voices and, and find some, you know, some untold stories. There's a line that you, you have, I think it's in the, the very first chapter, where you're telling the story of the camp and the fact that not everyone can afford fresh water because you've got to pay for the clean water, which I didn't know. I just thought that was automatically provided. So then folk are drinking dirty water or having to travel miles. And like the, mm -hmm. the line that really stuck out is, Alfonso Davies shouldn't have made it. Mm -hmm. And when you think now what he's become, it's it's just one of those stories that you look back and there, I mean there's so many what ifs because he could have ended up in the US where his family wanted yeah. to go, yeah. and he might never have moved from like Windsor where they first landed to this part of the world, and would he have developed the same way in the East? Where would his, his journey have taken him? Mm -hmm. But the fact that so many people just don't even make it out of those camps as children. And now you've got this guy that is like an, an international superstar. It's just incredible. Yeah, and, and you're right. Like, actually, one thing I, I learned, I was like shocked, is that um, 
less than 1% of the world's refugees are actually resettled to like a, a third, they call it a third country yeah, uh, every, I every year. Yeah, I believe that when I read Less it. than 1%, yeah. So the, the rest of them are either staying kind of in that country where they found asylum or they're having to kind of go back home to where the, where they were forced to flee in the first place, right? And it usually isn't still an, an optimal kind of situation in terms of the, the climate there. So yeah, like, like I, I've said this before, but like, it seems crazy to say, but Alfonso and his family were actually like among the lucky ones when, when you think about it that way. And obviously they were given this opportunity and they, you know, embraced it and, you know, worked hard for everything they've earned. But yeah, it, it really is, you know, crazy to think of that. You know, there are lots of people around the world who aren't kind of, you know, afforded those same opportunities. Yeah. I mean, back in the UK where I'm from just now, and we won't get into a big refugee discussion, but it's yeah. like the way that they're, they're, they're treating people there just now and they're shipping them off to Rwanda and right. they're trying to turn people away. But in Canada, we've got a country where it embraces that. And I, th I think it was one in four was to start in your book of people that's come to people in Canada that have come from out, outside of Canada. Right. And you, you see it walking about Vancouver and it does feel feel different here. So the fact that him and his family were just over a thousand folk, I think it was, from the camp mm -hmm. came to Canada. I mean, that that's remarkable. And his parents as well. I mean, they're, they're so proud of him. We, we obviously know that from stuff that they've done before in videos. But when you were speaking to them for the book, how, how did they feel about... A, a book about their son coming out and the chance also to tell their story a little bit. Yeah, I mean, so full full disclosure, like they, um, you know, they didn't want to, you know, share any anything further. They're they're very private people, so um, you know, I, I did obviously reach out via his Alfonso's rep, reps, and you know, they were they politely declined. You know, they've shared what they what they wanted to share. So you know, the stuff you hear from them in, in the book are, is you know stuff I, I drew on kind of previously ah, in right. terms of what they previously said. But yeah, and I, and I think that's part of the story too. Like they're they're it's a very private family. Like you know, they didn't expect the spotlight. I think they've only ever done like two or three interviews in in, in their life. Um, but yeah, there's no doubt that uh, that they're very proud of Alfonso, and and Alfonso's you know still trying to make them proud, and that's that's something I kind of got from him towards the end is like, um, obviously we know about that promise he kept his parents he he kept his parents when he left Vancouver that he's not going to change, he's going to be a good person, and that that's something he's he's still trying to he's still trying to keep. So yeah, I think they're very proud uh, of each other. It's tough as well because when you get that amount of fame and that amount of mm -hmm. spotlight. And I, I know from, from speaking to some folk that cover German football, like he, he doesn't trust the media mm -hmm. and that's understandable. I, I do wonder if part of that is ingrained in him as well, just because the Whitecaps didn't really let him speak to the media much. So whether he, from an early age, he's like been taught, oh, the media are bad people, which to be fair... Like based on UK press, they can be horrible to, to right. footballers as well, and they love to build people up just to knock them down. But like we've known Fonzie since he was 15, and probably in, in his time in the Whitecaps, you probably spoke to him the most, and then it's probably me after that, just yeah. because like Robbo was very protective of yeah. who got to speak to him and who he trusted to speak to him. But he was always so humble back then, and I always remember doing an interview with Pamaduka and we were sitting in Swan Guard and then he just came over and sat down and was just listening to us chatting, just like a, a normal kid. 
And even I was at WFC2 training or academy training, and he would go and be the water boy for them because he just wanted yeah. to see his friends and go and do stuff exactly. like that. And he, he still seems to have that kind of humble side to him, even though he's like a big TikTok, Twitch sensation and all this stuff. But he, he doesn't seem to have changed that much. Yeah, and that's that was a common theme. And with all these interviews that I did with people who are still close to him and still in kind of daily communication with him, that that's the one thing they stress. Like he's still um, the same person. Obviously, there there is a lot of fame and a lot of you know his life has changed in, in a lot of ways. And um, you know that that can be a lot for for people to deal with, and, I, and I'm sure it's a lot for him too. But yeah, the one thing people continually stress is that he's the same kid he was back then. Like he treats people the same way. You know, still has that that smile and and that humility and yeah i think that's another reason why you know you know people are so just have this kind of such an admiration for him you know so the book what was behind you wanting to do this had you always wanted to to be an author had you always wanted to bring a book out what was your inspiration for doing this yeah so i did always want to write a book that was that's something that's been a dream of mine for for a really long time um in fact, even when was it like back in 2016? Is that when the women's national team got bronze? Um, yes. Or the, the second time, right? Yes. Yeah. Or yeah. So I, even anyways, back then I even you know, was toying around with an idea, you know, of writing a book about them, but you know, I wasn't as close to that story. Like, I think it would have been very hard for me. I didn't have those kind of connections in, in you know, within that team. Anyways, I've, I've always wanted to, to write a book. Um, it was just a matter of finding the right story, right? And then, you know, when I was with the Whitecaps, obviously, as we've talked about, like we both kind of had a front row seat to Alfonso's kind of rise there. And, um, you know, I ended up going to Edmonton in 2017 and we produced a documentary about his family's journey to Canada and where I got to, you know, meet the parents and his youth coaches and things like that. And that that kind of planted the seed in my mind because that's when I really realized like what an incredible story this was. And But I think it wasn't until the following year, 2018, when when the transfer to Bayern Munich was kind of announced, but Alfonso was still in Vancouver, that's when I really started thinking about like, yeah, like I, I'd love to write a book about this. Like this is just, just this is just amazing, right? Um, so it was back in 2018, towards the end of that year, when I started, you know, doing some research, um, putting some thoughts on paper. paper. Um, I started writing a, a sample chapter that that Christmas. I remember that, you know, very very clearly. Um, and then I kind of just sat on it for a couple of years. Uh, it was still a bit premature. Um, Alfonso was still young. He hadn't even traveled to Germany yet. Um, I was still kind of very busy with, with my own, you know, life and, and job. Uh, so it was always kind of in the back of my mind, but I, I couldn't get it out of the, out of my mind, to be honest with you. And, and then in, when the pandemic hit in, in 2020, obviously people just, you know, were forced to kind of reevaluate their lives and their careers. And I was still fortunate to have a job at the Whitecaps at the time, but I was just, looking for something new and, you know, just to, to get my kind of passion and creative juices flowing again. And I, and I kept coming back to this idea. So at, at that point I started, you know, I dusted off my kind of book proposal and started reaching out to some publishers. Also, also reached out to Alfonso's reps just to kind of keep them in the loop and told them I, I'd be, you know, open to any involvement that they were comfortable with knowing that, you know, usually when, when someone's formally involved in the in, in a book, they're much older. So I, I wasn't yeah. expecting much involvement, but they, they were accommodating. But um, it was an independent project and I ended up, yeah, I actually sent my my book proposal out the day Alfonso won the Champions League with Bayern Munich. Um, it was August 23rd, 2020. And then 
that ended up being like a long process in itself. Didn't hear back until I think maybe the end of the year. And yeah, long story short, um, ended up coming to an agreement with a publisher early the following year in 2021. Um, at that point, I quit my job and just decided to really give this my all for for like a six month period. And yeah, I was essentially writing the book, you know, full time for for six, seven months. And and there's been kind of continuous updates and edits, you know, ever, ever since. So yeah, it's it's been it's been a long process for sure. Was it something you found like the, the writing side of it? Was it something that you found just flowed naturally in you? I mean, was, was there days that you're tearing your hair out and you're just <laughs> staring at the, the page, thinking, "Oh, I, I don't know what to do." Yeah, there were a lot of those days, like for sure. Like as I'm sure you know, like a lot of writers have you know good days and, and bad days. Um, there were a lot of bad days where I just, just like felt like I, because I because I put a lot of pressure on myself as I should. Like, it, like I felt a responsibility to really tell this story right. So I, I tried yeah. to put a lot of care in like every word. And uh, so yeah, there was a lot of like second guessing and rewriting and some tough days and some sleepless nights. But at the same time, it was like this is one of the most enjoyable projects I've, I've ever worked on. One of the hardest ones, but also one of the you know, most enjoyable. And, uh, yeah, and there were times when it, when it flowed like nicely, and and times when it didn't. But I think that's all just kind of part part of the process. Yeah, and I mean it's the it's the first book on him, and I'm sure if he goes on to if his career keeps going stratospheric, there'll be more books down, down the line on him as well. But the first book's always the key one because you are telling that initial part of the story. And we, we were talking before we recorded. Like we obviously know his time in the White Caps, his mm -hmm. time after he's left, I've kept up up to speed in what Bayern's won, obviously, and what he's done with Canada. But not being a Bayern fan or a Bundesliga fan, I haven't paid as close attention. So that's been interesting, seeing the adjustment and everything like that as well. Mm -hmm. But I, I've really enjoyed the, the the early part and his time just playing in Edmonton and then coming here and everything like that as well. Is, is there any particular parts of the book that for you really stand out as you really enjoy telling that part of the story the most yeah um you know i did really enjoy the yeah i guess it's i'll, I'll give you a couple because like it's, it's hard to pick one but i have a couple of kind of for different reasons obviously uh, um the initial chapters of, of like 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 we talked about the upbringing and the early kind of move to edmonton like i really enjoyed those because because like we said that's a big part of the story and just learning about some of the challenge they, they faced as an immigrant family and things like that. Like, um, yeah, th those were, you know, cause I, I learned a lot there. That's why I kind of found those, you know, enjoyable. And then, um, yeah, obviously as like a soccer kind of nerd and, you know, we were both kind of there at the time, the, 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 the chapter about the transfer to Bayern Munich, like that I, I found to be quite enjoyable just because you know, just getting the, the perspectives of kind of different people who are part of that. So obviously speaking to Alfonso's agent kind of got their perspective, but then also the perspective of the Whitecaps, um, the perspective of Bayern Munich, who had like a very different kind of experience, obviously. And then also speaking to people from like Stuttgart and Manchester United, who were kind of chasing Alfonso at, at the same time, like um, that was a lot of fun. And, and and that would have been like such an overwhelming time for, for Alfonso, because even speaking to like Kai, Kai saying like he was getting calls from like random people saying like put me in touch with Alfonso and he's like no I'm like I'm not his agent you don't get to kind of call me um and Pamuduka was getting calls and Alfonso's agent was like getting calls and offers you know to like to 
for his son to join an academy if Alfonso joins this team and, and things like that. It, it was just a, a crazy time. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I loved kind of hearing all, all those types of stories. Yeah, I mean, that time, it, it was good that he signed the deal when he did because otherwise the rest of that season, that circus would just have gone on and on yeah. and on and it would have really just taken away from, from everything. So, I mean, signing it when he did turned out to be perfect and I think it has been the the best move that he could have made. You look at some of the other clubs he could have gone to and would he have been the man he is today if he had gone to there? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's hard to say. It's hard to say. Like even when even when he went to Bayern Munich, like obviously right now it looks like it was the, the no brainer decision. But at the time it wasn't really like as you'll recall, there was a lot of skepticism from people like that he wouldn't play or yeah, um, right, like that he wouldn't he maybe get get loaned out like. People were maybe suggesting he should have gone to like kind of like a lower level team, still in a higher league, but like a lower level team that he could maybe kind of step into easier. Um, but no, everything seemed to have worked out. Like he he obviously had to earn his opportunity. It didn't come right away, but within the span of a, a year or two, he was you know starting games and became like one of their key contributors in, in that Champions League uh, winning season. So yeah, looking back on it now, it was obviously the the right decision, and they invested like Bayern like. Speaking to their technical director, um, Marco Nepe, for, for the book, like um, they put a lot of thought into their proposal. They'd done a lot of research into Alfonso. They even said like they'd seen his like dancing videos and, and things like that. Like they knew what, what they were getting and and they had done their research and they had like a long term vision for Alfonso. And and obviously that has kind of panned out, I, I would think, uh, mostly as as expected. Just a few more things just to, to chat to you about when you were writing it. And you're watching Canada's World Cup campaign play out the way it did. And then they get to the octagon and then they start Groot and you're like, they're going to be going at the World Cup here. <laughs> I mean, how exciting was that for you? Because you've got, I mean, you've got the perfect story. You've got a guy that came out of a refugee camp, maybe fortunate to have made it even over to Canada to begin with. And now he's playing at a World Cup and the first World Cup Canada's been at for years and getting the, the goal and everything. I mean, it's just, it, it was like a perfect story for you, really. Yeah, and, and I'll be honest with you, like, like, like I said, when I initially pitched this in 2020, like you'll re recall that like, Canada qualifying for 2022 wasn't even on the radar at that point. Like, yeah, it was more about, okay, they're going to host the 2026 World Cup. Not many believed that it was even possible. It, well, it wasn't even a talking point that they would qualify for 2022. And then, so my, my initial manuscript, like the first version of the, uh, the first draft, I guess, was due in October of 2021. And, th and that was before they even qualified. So like, yeah, there were, um, obviously at that point, you kind of had a sense that, that they would, yeah. but it wasn't official. And so there were a lot of, you know, updates after that point. Cause we, you know, we even had a discussion, like, do we rush to get this book out? in time for the world cup or do we like take our time and make sure the world cup is included uh and we and we thought we both thought you know, myself and the publisher both thought that that was the better decision is because like like you said like it, it could be the perfect ending to, yeah. to, to the story and and that proved to be the case so yeah i was watching the the national team like 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 everyone else very closely in, in those months and even just leading up to the world cup it's like okay he gets injured a couple of weeks before is he gonna play is he not gonna play so much attention on him he does play and then he misses the penalty in the first game, and it's like, oh no! And then he comes back and scores the, the next game, and then becomes you know writes his name into the history books. Yeah, like 
you know, couldn't have scripted this, right? Because there I were know. a lot of a lot of challenges, you know, before that point. And then but it yeah, it just kind of felt poetic that it ended up being him to to get that goal. Yeah, I mean it's just been a fantastic journey. So well told in the book from start to finish. I, I know Fonzie put out I think it was on Instagram, it might be on TikTok, uh yeah. that he's got his copy of the book. Yeah. Have you had any feedback from him or his agents or or from the family or anything so far about it? Um, not like so much in terms of like I don't know if they've all read it yet, but yeah, certainly um, like I said, like Alfonso and his reps have been uh, accommodating through this process, and um, yeah, we obviously sent them all copies, and yeah, it was nice to kind of wake up the other day and see that he'd uh, he'd shared the book on his Instagram and, and tagged me, and I'm obviously appreciative of that, and um, yeah, not not surprised by any means. Like I think that's just the type of type of person he is. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely grateful to to everyone kind of involved in this camp for. You know, they've they've opened a lot of doors for me through this process, even though they weren't like formally involved. They didn't have to do that, but uh, they did. And yeah, definitely kind of grateful, grateful towards them for that. What's next for you then? It's like, would you like to do this again? Or has that got the author's bug out of you? Or was, <laughs> was it such a painful process at times that you're like, I'll just give it a few years before we look at anything else? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. It's a good question. Like, um, I would love to do it again one day, but yeah, certainly not right away. Like it definitely has to be the right story, right? Because yeah. like, if I wasn't passionate about this story and and I wasn't kind of close to it, I, I don't think I would have been able to to do it because it was such a, um, yeah, a lot of hard work uh, over the, you know, a long process over two years. So yeah, I would say I really, if there is another story that I'm passionate about and kind of feels right, I would love to do it again because like, like always even back in the white caps like what i really enjoyed doing was telling stories in, in detail and whether it was in the form of like many documentaries that we did with people like you know alfonso kendall brett brett levi's in bomb like i really enjoyed that kind of stuff but also yeah. just the long form like writing like that i've always loved kind of going deeper and obviously a, a book kind of lends itself to that so yeah if there is another opportunity at some point um I, i'd love to do it again but yeah as, as for now um yeah, we'll just have to, to wait and see. I always enjoyed the documentaries that, that you did at Whitecaps. They were fantastic. I always remember that Fonzie one as well. So mm -hmm. delighted to have this book. By the time everyone hears this, the book will be out in all the usual places, online, in person. Alfonso Davies, A New Hope. Throw it again to the camera in case we take a still <laughs> of that. But also you're going to be doing a signing at BC Place as well. That must be a weird one for you. Yeah, no, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. Super thankful for the Whitecaps. So I'll, I'll be at the game on on May sixth, um, selling and signing books. I don't know if anyone wants my signature, but um, I've, I've been practicing at practicing it at home. So um, yeah, I'll be there at the game. And, and again, thankful for the Whitecaps for allowing me to do that, and just even for their support kind of through the book um, process. Yeah. Well, fantastic. Really enjoyed it. Thank you for sending along the, the copy before it was out for us to, to look at as well. Wish you all the very best. I hope it does as well as it deserves to do. It's been a pleasure catching up with you again, and I'm sure I'll, I'll see you soon. Might even drop by in the sixth and get my book signed. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. Thanks so much for having me. It was uh, great catching up with you. That was great. Thanks so much, Farhan. Thank you.
Farhan Devsage there, just chatting about his book Alfonso Davies, A New Hope, out on May 2nd. You can get it in all the usual places, in the bookshops as well. As I mentioned there, Zach, I haven't finished it, but what I've read so far, I'm enjoying it. Fonzie's story, it is just one of those, I mean, you could use the phrase rags to riches, but I mean, it's just, it's a great story coming out of the refugee camp. Shouldn't have made it out. So many children sadly didn't. And when you see the man that he's become, and also the player and the footballer and the global phenomena that he's become as well, it's just an absolutely incredible story. So it's good to see it documented. I'm sure this will be the first of many books about Fonzie in his career. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I haven't, obviously, I haven't read it yet. I'm looking forward to reading it one day. Um, but yeah, I mean, the subject matter is, I mean, someone that is, you know, uh, yeah, his story is amazing. He is an incredible footballer. Uh, I, I don't know him as well as I know some other footballers that have come through this community, but um, what I do know about him is, uh, uh, yeah, all pos- it's all positive, right? And so, um, yeah. I, 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 was there much other talk about Star Wars in the book that you've read? Not, not much. Um, is that title right? A New Hope. Yeah, right? they, like they talked Fonzie about and Star Wars. Bayern not being the the Champions League champs, and that one day the Empire might strike back. <laughs> oh my. I, I don't. I don't have a lot of Star Wars references I can go with here. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, that's too bad. It may, May the fourth this week. You, you should have some Star oh, Wars. Oh, that's when it should have been released instead of May second. Yeah, totally. Oh, he's, he's, he's slipped up there, Farhan. Yeah. Oh, oh today is the release day. Today, well, right now it's the release day. Yeah. There you go. Yes, because we are recording this very late. <laughs> very early on Tuesday morning. Yes. It's going to be out the day the book's released, so make sure you get your copy. And as mentioned there in the interview, Farhan will be signing copies at BC Place. I was going to say during the Whitecaps game, before the Whitecaps game, I imagine, and not during it, unless it's another no-no draw and folk might want to just go and get their, <laughs> their book signed during that instead. But that is it for this part. We're going to be back chatting League One BC and Canadian Premier League after this. Hi, I'm Alfonso Davies, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show.
Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's the second of our tracks from our new Artist of the Month for May here at AFTN from Northern Ireland, Ash. That was one of their biggest hits that they've had in their career. Their eighth single, the fifth and final single to be taken from their debut album, a classic debut album, it has to be said, called 1977, released in 1996, has made a a number of the lists of all-time best debut albums or top 500 enemy have had it in their albums of all time. That was their second highest charting single in the UK, came in at number six, Oh Yeah. And the lyrics there go, Oh Yeah. She was taking me over. Oh yeah, it was the start of the summer. And although the song is talking about events in the month of June, it certainly felt like it was the the start of this summer, this past weekend in Vancouver. Nice weather that we, we had in the lower mainland. Great weather I had as well down the Oregon coast all week. Driving up on Friday, it was crazy weather. The car peaked a couple of times at 33 temperature-wise. It was just glorious. Drive up. We got our dog Annie out on the beach a couple of times in, in the sun. She had a great trip down there, as did we. It certainly felt like summer was coming after several months of rainy and cold weather. It's maybe not quite here yet. If you look at the long-range forecast, the rain and the colder weather is going to be coming back in but we've got a brief glimpse of the summer there for what was the start of the league one bc season the new 2023 the second season of the league got off to a great start four matches played over the weekend tss rovers and nosomot fc kicked things off with their women and men's double header at swan guard on saturday afternoon We also saw the first ever games played by new team in the league, expansion side Harborside FC out in Nanaimo. They drew over a thousand fans in for for their first ever games, so that bodes well for what holds in store for them as well. On the men's side, three draws in the four matches. Rivers, though, lead the way after a 2-1 win over Altitude in Kamloops on Sunday. For TSS Rovers, it was a a very short-handed TSS Rovers side. A number of their players were playing in the Provincial Cup final that took place later that day in Burnaby. I've got to say, like absolutely shocking scheduling decision by BC Soccer to have the men's final on the Saturday. You kind of knew what teams had a good chance of making it in. You kind of knew what... League One sides those teams were playing in, why they didn't have the the final on the Sunday so that players could play in both is beyond me. But it did mean that TSS Rovers were very short-handed for that. Six players missing because of BC Provincial Cup duty. A couple of other players out with injury as well. But they, the men turned in a battling 0-0 draw with Nosomot FC. Nosomot Playing their first games rebranded from Varsity FC under new ownership with Hope and Health. 
doing a lot of work with indigenous youth and having some indigenous players on the side. It was an entertaining nil-nil draw. TSS certainly will rue not coming away with all three points, I think. They kind of dominated proceedings with a far better team, despite being short-handed. So that does bode well for them for the season to come. Got a chance to chat with new head coach Darren Rusher after the match. Darren taking over from Will Cromack. Will is in charge of TSS for the Canadian Championship run, but it's Darren Rusher that's going to be the head coach of the team moving forward. Here's what he had to say after the game. So, Darren, first match in charge as head coach of TSS Rovers. 0-0 draw. All things considered, the amount of players that's missing, do you look at it as a good point gained, or are you a little bit disappointed you didn't, didn't take all three from that? A little disappointed, yeah. I, I felt like we could have gotten something a little bit more from this game. We had a couple very good looks at goal. We didn't take them. We didn't get that many chances, but we, we had a couple that we I feel like we probably would have wanted to put away. You know, having said that, with everything in, in mind, like you like you mentioned, Mike, um, I think I think pretty good performance. Some of these guys have never played together. Uh, a very hot day, the pitch wasn't very good, ball was bobbling all over the place. All that considered, I would have liked three. I'll take one begrudging. Well, I mean, it's an unbeaten start, and as, yeah. as we know from this year, like every single point matters yeah, because if, if you want to be in the Canadian Championship next year, you've got to finish top of the regular season. Yeah. So, I mean, looking on the plus side, there were some really good performances out there. Yeah. It's like defensively, yeah. I thought that was a very solid backline. Didn't give Nosimo a sniff at all. Nope. And in that second half, they just fell out of the game. It looked like they were just happy to get away with a point. I, I agree. And, you know, I mean, Tyler and Shia, they've never played centre-back before together, right? And they actually don't really... They can play there, don't get me wrong. Clearly, we saw it. But that's not their preferred position. But because of our situation with players' conflict and injuries, they went in there and they did the job. And, you know, like I said to all these guys before the game, you are all good enough to be on this field at any time, no matter who's around here. You have to believe you can go out there and boss this game. And they did what they had to do, those two, definitely. And, of course, we know Fugo and Nico, they're going to give it what they do. Um, I was so proud of, of Tyler and Shia today. They did a fantastic job. Looking ahead to this season, it's obviously it's a difficult balancing act. There's a Canadian Championship, obviously, but a lot of the guys that play in that, you can't put that team out week no. in, week out because of the, the age rules. Right. So it's how do you keep everyone happy? How do you, you not let folk get too carried away with this Valor win and look too far ahead? To... It's, it's not easy. Uh, we've been resetting them this week. Um, you know, we, we gave them a couple of days off after the Valor game. Um, and then first couple of days of training, we're not quite at the standard that we wanted. Towards the end of the week, it got a lot better. Um, and again, you know, it's kind of continuity. Uh, so how, how are we going to keep happy? There's lots of opportunities here. And because the squad is so good, unless you're out there sort of taking your opportunity at every single moment, there's somebody very good waiting to give it a shot. And so it holds them all accountable. Nobody's safe here. No matter who you are, our squad is so deep and so good that everyone will be challenging each other and they'll get an opportunity. Just last thing, your first game in charge as head coach of the first team. I know you've been in charge of the under-21s and at youth level. How was the whole experience for you? 
Uh, I, you know, it was a little bit, uh, it felt a little different. I'm not gonna lie, preparing for today, all day today, the problems we have with Comet and, and just getting stuff focused, um, you know, and all that stuff there, it was a little bit nerve wracking. I had to run from my game, I got stuck in traffic. Um, but it just really feels like it did before. So I think getting this one out of the way for me personally is gonna kind of calm it down. Because of the, the mix, we, we had so many players that were missing yeah. and so many injuries and we weren't sure and the day was hot, the field was terrible. So so all that stuff considered um, and, and us coming out of here uh, with the draw, I feel good. I feel like uh, we're, we're setting the right tempo and we'll only get better each and every game as we play now. Well, let's hope so. Good luck for the rest of the season. And we'll see you next week. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Thank you. TSS head coach Darren Rusha there, unbeaten in his head coaching role for TSS just now. Sure, he would have liked it to have been 100%, but he'll be happy with the point. And the way that the table is looking as well, it's it's not been a, a bad point to get. The regular season standings very important in League One on the men's side because whoever finishes top after their 14-game season is going to be the team that then represents League One BC in next year's Canadian Championship. And with TSS obviously having that taste this year, they want to have that going forward for next year as well. Top four in the men and the women's division will move on to the playoffs. First place fourth, second place third. Two winners of that will then play a one-off match for the, the championship game. TSS hoping to go back-to-back -back in that. On the women's side, it was the, the Whitecaps' Rex elite side that lifted the inaugural women's championship last year. Fantastic game they had couple of late goals to defeat Varsity FC. And the Whitecaps women got off to another winning start to defend their title this year round. Also getting off to winning starts were three other sides, totally different from the men where it was all the draws. Four women's teams got off to winning starts this weekend. Nosomot, Unity and Altitude FC, who had a very impressive win at Rivers, doing the, the damage in the, the first games of the weekend. Sadly for TSS Rovers, Nosomot's win came at their hands. It was a 2-0 win for Nosomot. Like the men, TSS Rovers side, very short-handed and a little bit understrength and decimated for this one. Not due to Provincial Cup action, but due to the fact they've got a number of NCAA players on their team that just haven't come and joined up with the team yet. Got a chance, though, to speak to TSS Rovers head coach Chelsea Hannison after the game, just for her thoughts on that season opening match and the season to come. Here's what she had to tell me. So, Chelsea, first game of this season under the belt, 2-0 loss to Nosamat. An excellent performance from the team, though, especially considering how short-handed you were. You know, yeah, I think going into this, one of the biggest messages with the group was, shorthanded or not, 11 players on the pitch, and every 11 player needs to show up. So, of the players that uh, we had for this match and going in, we had a plan, and they committed, and honestly, it was uh, refreshing and just exciting 
to see them battle together and gel together so quickly. Defensively, some amazing performances out there today, and considering that you don't have maybe your your what you'd think us as you starting back line there, but I mean they were just blocking everything and putting their bodies on the line. Yeah, and you know what? And those are the players that make my life miserable because that's a good team. That's a great team. They're fit. They're strong. They're fast. They've got good organization going forward, um, and they handled it as if it was something they were familiar with. The players showed up big. Yeah. At the other end of the pitch, I thought Burt was outstanding out there. She just put in a, an amazing shift. Talk about this team offensively that we're going to see in the future sort of weeks because it's a long season. You just need to finish top four right now to get into the playoffs. Is that kind of the message to the team? Just keep doing it. What can we expect from the team? You'll see definitely our true TSS Rovers DNA. Like we have a certain way that we like to play, but then also uh, you have a lot of players that are incredibly intelligent on the ball and uh, creative in, in that attack mindset. So there's going to be a lot more um, threats in behind lines. There's going to be a lot more surprises, I would say, just in the individual efforts. Um, but then also, just like you saw today, the, the camaraderie in twos or threes and moving forward with the cohesiveness uh, is something that we have been working hard on and we hope to continue moving forward with. Uh, just last thing, second year as head coach of this team, what have you learned about yourself from year one to year two? I would say that the players will always surprise you and that's my favourite thing. There's times going into these games only so much, uh, but at the end of the day, and trust and, and really believe in these players and I have yet to be let down with this group and yet to be let down by any of the players. They are phenomenal and full of surprises and that's my favorite thing about this job. Okay, thanks so much Chelsea and good luck next week. So Chelsea Harnison there. Really excited for this League One BC season. If you heard Gideon and myself, we've got the commentary for TSS Rovers home games all season long. They're going to be on TSS Rovers' YouTube account. All the games will be up on the League One BC YouTube as well. Now, they won't all have commentary. The way that the league has operated it this year, they ditched the deal with Home Team Live. Very glad about that. It was not a fantastic deal or service, in, in my opinion, last year. There's going to be eight featured game days this year in League One BC. 16 matches altogether, so each game day will have a men and a women's match. Those games will be broadcast in full with commentary on the League One BC YouTube channel and also channel 1993 on TELUS Optic in BC and Alberta. For the rest of the games, though, the, the club's... Uh, they're basically fending for themselves. So some clubs just can't afford to stream live. Some clubs, like Altitude, I'm doing the commentary for them again this year. We'll do the commentary and film the games. They won't be streamed live, but they will be going up, hopefully within 24 hours, on the Altitude YouTube channel, so you can check that out. But the first experiment of that for the Vancouver FC friendly that they did, and that went very well. TSS Rovers are streaming live, as I believe are Highlanders. But these, I think, are the only three teams that are doing commentary. I guess we'll, we'll find out over the next couple of weeks as everyone has their home opener. A little bit disappointed that teams like the Whitecaps have not chosen to go down the streaming or the commentary route. But 
it's what it is. Maybe there will be some changes for some of these teams as the season goes on. I do feel, though, for League One, and there's a good article as well on Northern Tribune about this, it needs to be a standard-based league. It needs to have high standards. And for me, that should be every game getting streamed with commentary. If you can't do it live because of the cost, fair enough. But at least get that commentary up within 24 hours. It it does a better service for the fans. does a much better service for the players as well, who are trying to get recognised as well. So that is it for the League One BC chat for this episode. But we're going to finish the show by turning our attention to the Canadian Premier League because a, a big weekend coming up here in BC. Looking at the CPL table, three games in, it's absolutely nuts. Three points separating first and eighth. Two points between the, the top seven teams. The parity so far it's certainly there, which is what you kind of want from the league just in general. You don't want anyone running away with it too early. Obviously, a lot can change as we we get into the season. Valen Forge leading the way with five points. There's been seven draws from the first 12 matches. Mm-hmm. York, the only team without a, a draw so far. And you look at it and Cavalry, Halifax and Ottawa are all still looking for their first wins. But Cavalry and Halifax are also still unbeaten. They've drawn Mm -hmm. their first three games. The top two are also undefeated. Vancouver FC finally getting to kick off at home this Sunday. That's a a big game that we're going to chat a bit about here. They're going to do so, though, Zach, third in the table with a 1-1-1 record after Saturday's 1-0 draw in Halifax wrapped up a a gruelling road spell for them. But I think if you'd offered Afshin third place, four points from these first three games, I think he would have bitten your hand off. It's been a better start, I've got to say, than I thought they might have had. I don't know how you're feeling about it. Yeah, I think when you think about it, I, I I'm pretty happy with the with the amount of points. Obviously, you never turn down more. Um, but I think the bigger thing for me, Michael, that I've been more impressed with is like how they've how they've played and how they've battled and how they've like you know been in every match. You know what I mean? Like they're they're nowhere near like a perfect side or you know they're not world beaters or whatever yet yet. Um, but I just like every game has been. Uh, yeah, enjoyable to watch or be at, as the you know, in the case of the the the, the game on the island against uh, Pacific. Did, but, did you not get the bus to Halifax? Yeah, no. One oh. of our one of our friends did. He took him and his daughter were at the game. Yeah, I saw. I saw him yeah. posting on the, on your Facebook group. Yeah, I uh, yeah. Uh, his uh, one of his online names there is Robbo. I thought you'd like that. Um, he he posted them. Uh, and, and I got to see those tonight. Um, and he said he had a great time and was you know, greeted warmly and yeah, enjoyed the match. Um, I, I, because of, I can't remember what it was, work. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, because of work, I couldn't watch. Well, because of work, I couldn't watch the, the cup match in, in, in its full oh, live. Yeah. And then the, the well, first Of course, win, I haven't had you on since then. Yeah. Robbed by that penalty. Yeah. I mean, I can all like, yeah. 
that was that wasn't a penalty for sure uh, like and in anywhere in the world that's not a penalty and then i think i think that york wouldn't have had too many um people on their side had a penalty been given against them at the end as well (laughs) yeah but 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 i would i was thinking about as as crappy as it is and as frustrating as it is like i it's i don't know maybe i'm just old now michael like it's just like that's a part of like football like oh that's like an old part of football the, the the calls go your way they don't go your way or whatever i can only imagine certain other clubs if they had gotten that kind of fishing the, the uproar and the and the freaking out uh, maybe there's lots of people freaking out on social media that i haven't seen but um yeah i mean it, it robs the the first ever game against uh another local team but yeah. that'll come in that'll come in good time i and looking back on it I, it is one of the things that i did actually I think was good for Pacific. The fact that they saved that BC Derby for a little bit further down the road when they were an even better side, I think worked very well for them and, and is why, quote unquote, BC is purple, <laughs> right? Um, for, for now, it's soon to be red and black when the pirates sail right. over the sea and take that BC Derby. I think, well, yeah, I think they'd have to maybe bring swan guards along grass with them to maybe get that but that definitely was a helper <laughs> <laughs> the pitch was also shocking at the weekend oh. it was oh it was not in good condition Baller in that cup match i mean first off congratulations i know we didn't get to talk about it, so congratulations mm. to you i know it was an incredible night i know how much it meant to you and how much fun you had and obviously playing a new role was uh a different kind of enjoyment for you yeah, um, I mean, getting the two goals, I thought I did quite well up front. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like, uh, it, I, I didn't, again, I didn't get to see all that match live, but I got to see most of it after work, um, or at least the second half. I think I got to see all the second half, maybe the end of the first half. But um, yeah, it was Wednesday night. Yeah, I got to see at the end of the first half and all the second half live. Um, man, Valor, Valor looked like they were playing on quicksand. Yeah. Like I know they have they have two opponents in their league that play on grass, but it almost looked like they never played on grass before. And and uh, and they weren't and they also they just weren't ready for the frenetic style that <laughs> that uh that TSS played where they just were constantly pressuring them. Like they could they could not get into a flow at all. And then they were also just shockingly bad defensively and uh yeah. but before but, but they're TSS, top of the CPL. Which obviously yeah. means that TSS can be everyone in the CPL. That's how yeah, I'm now looking at it. As you as you remind me every other day via text. <laughs> <laughs> and if, uh, lots of people have said that on Twitter, I believe as well. Um, but uh, it's no, coming so, home. Congr- congratulations to you and all the owners, and uh, you know, yeah, now you have this uh, great uh, BC battle against Pacific, and um, yeah, I'm looking forward to hopefully being able to watch part of that game after work because it's a Wednesday night again. Or is it a Tuesday? It's a Wednesday, right? It's Wednesday, yes. Wednesday, yeah. So I get to watch most of it. But um, yeah, I wish I wish partly wish I could be there with you because I know you're going to spend the night. Yeah, going over on the Tuesday with the team, and then we spend the two days there, and yeah, I try yeah. not fall overboard <laughs> celebrating on the way back on the Thursday. But in all seriousness, though, CPL and and the Voyagers Cup, they do need VAR, like in the long run. Yes. And I think we've seen it in the league as well. Yes. This season. And we saw it last season. Yeah. And although I am old school and I do, I I still like the games that don't have VAR. But 
when there's so many blatant errors happening, it helps the referee and I think it helps their development and it takes the pressure off them yeah. a little bit as well. Be- because as we've said before, the, the, the Canadian Premier League isn't simply about... Uh, you know, having you know, having a having a, a pathway for players. Obviously, that is a like one of the most significant parts, or if not the most significant part. But it is building this football infrastructure across the country and this football industry across our country. And a part of that is referees and referees developing. And you're right, VAR done right can actually help referees grow. Mm-hmm. And uh, you you definitely could see. Um, the referees we've seen in both the league and the cup uh, benefit from having VAR. I mean, VAR has kind of existed in BC soccer the last few years because I was told that they use my videos that I do from VMSA on provincial <laughs> cup games to go correct. over stuff with the referee. Don't know if they have the lines and everything drawn or not. But I, I quite like that because one of the guys was saying, can, can you put more footage in of like the tackles and the bookings and stuff because we want to see how referees have handled stuff so I've started to include a little bit more of that in the in the videos I do as well because whenever you're watching you, highlights they haven't hired you though right? no yeah. whenever you're watching the highlights like match of the day and it's like they show just a random yellow card you're like okay that guy's getting sent off later totally in. <laughs> yes yes exactly otherwise there was no reason to show that but let's get back to our CPL chat. So Vancouver FC have started well. Now, you talked about the supporters that were through and had said it was a great atmosphere. I've said before, I want to go and take a game in Halifax in, and I might have a chance to to do that in October, which I'll, I'll tell you about later. Nice. Off air. Um, but I've seen as well, post-game was singing the praises of Halifax and how welcoming everyone was and what a great soccer community it was. So that was always good to hear. Oh, yeah, his words were very nice. Yeah. Did you listen to his press conference? I did, yeah. There were some and really good questions on there. Yeah. Well, funnily enough, we're going to play a little bit of them just now. Let's see what Afshin had to say after that 1-0 draw with Halifax Wanderers. About the game, I think we started slow, and it's normal sometimes when you travel so far. Um, the four-hour time difference, then the travel... Uh, one of my players uh, arrived one minute late to our team meeting, so he uh, missed out to start in the game. And we gave a chance to a young player who had never uh, started as a professional on the pitch, and he didn't have a very good start. So, And I had to make the change. Uh, I think once we made the change, we found the balance in midfield. We played a little bit more aggressively and, and started winning things in the middle of the park and creating a little bit uh, pressure and creating opportunities. And I think we deserve that goal because we created multiple chances in the last moments of the game. Uh, I was hoping at halftime that we can sort it out and in the second half uh, even play better football. But unfortunately, I think we didn't have the legs, uh, even though we had the will. So uh, mentally, uh, I think we wanted to play better. But physically, you could see that uh, we we didn't have... uh, the power to do the things we wanted to do. So I think uh, in the second half, uh, I was not happy with our performance, uh, even though we had an unbelievable chance to win the game in those uh, last 15 minutes. So uh, again, overall, I think it's a fair result. Uh, I think uh, Halifax is a great team. It's a, it's a team that I think will do very good, many good things in the coming games. And I'm sure we'll see them in the playoffs. 
even with it being early in the season, you mentioned the traveling from Vancouver to Halifax. What can you describe, uh, you know, how that is for players, especially young players dealing with that travel situation? Um, I, this is the first time I'm traveling so much across Canada. And when I came to Vancouver, it was my first time in Canada. And I'm amazed how vast this country is. And as I was flying with the plane and looking through the window, it's it was I was really shocked how big it is and the flight was if it's direct i think it's easier but having to have to sit in calgary and uh, calgary and then wait and then get on another flight that really takes its toll and i think young players um uh they they, they struggle not just with the uh, the physical part it's mostly the mental part uh, how do they uh, when they arrive at the city do they how long how late do they stay up even though we tell them uh, do they bring the the compression pants we talk about and drink the water that we have asked them to so we can of course force feed them and then go to their rooms and make sure they're sleeping there i think those are the things they struggle with and it affects their performance of course but but they will learn fast because obviously we're judged by our performances and if it's not good enough then they lose their position the team started a little bit slow today. It felt like there wasn't uh, a bunch of, uh, like a lot of concentration at the very beginning of the match, especially on that goal between Callum and the two center backs. How do you think you can help the team make sure that they start off sharp and maintain a high level of concentration? Or is it just one of those things that because of the travel and because of the uh, nature of the game being an away match, it's nothing you can really help? Well, obviously, we have to do something about it because uh, when you go on the road and you take an early goal, it's uh, it's almost becomes an impossible uh, mountain to climb. Uh, I feel that uh, we as coaches are always trying to find uh, the right way to um, activate our players physically and mentally to have good starts to games. Uh, we do it from... Uh, uh, meetings that we have tactically, individual meetings, group meetings, uh, from training even the day before, from uh, the recovery we do in the pool and, and all the things the medical staff does to get players to overcome the long journey. And then, uh, of course, you come to the stadium, you expect a good warm-up. Uh, I, I, do, I just think that uh, when you go from that, uh, AstroTurf training every day and then you, uh, you're playing games on AstroTurf and artificial ground, then you go on natural grass, that has... a, a, a a little players struggle with that. The ball bounces differently. It rolls differently. Even as you're running, it feels differently. So I think that had something to do with it, with a lot of bad passes that we gave in this game. Uh, I think the, the 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 connection in defense and the mistake we made tactically and that played the ball got played over us. That's something that is rare in our defense. We I haven't seen any time for us to take a, a goal like that. Maybe it's the first time, even from all the preseason games. So I, I don't know what happened that moment. I have to see the uh, image again. Uh, but hopefully we'll, we'll improve on that. Uh, but players are young. Our players are very, very young. I, I look at Crawford. He's 19 years old. This is the, the left back that he played a fantastic game. And he has not played in this kind of uh, games with this kind of intensity and tempo 90 minutes every week. And this is his second professional game starting. So... Um, it's going to take time for us. I think we'll, we're going to grow every game. And I think that's why a lot of our, our opponents are worried about our team because with such a short amount of time, uh, we are performing at such a good level and are getting results. As time will go by, we're just going to get better and better and better. Uh, on the goal, uh, it felt like a, a really uh, quality and well-timed ball from, from Halifax. 
Uh, did you feel like uh, your line, your defensive line was a little bit high? And did you adjust that as things went on? Uh, I think in that moment, they didn't anticipate the long ball. Uh, I think uh, when you play that high and there's no pressure on the ball, of course, it's dangerous. So uh, it's a it's a combination of uh, problems in not only from our back line, but also in our midfield line that we uh, didn't really have pressure on the ball. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I would expect my central defenders uh, to be half-turned at that moment and anticipate the long ball and get there. And I think they uh, there was a moment of of a, a lapse of concentration. Uh, and again, uh, it, I've seen it with top players in all over the world. When you travel that long and you have a four-hour time difference, it's very difficult to uh, be switched on and concentrated for 90 minutes. So uh, I, th I think uh, we have to applaud the, the players for uh, one point out of such a difficult game. Speaking of points, the, the, the typical formula in football is win your home matches and get at least a draw on the road. You're coming off of three away matches in which you've claimed four points. Can you speak about how significant it is uh, coming home and how it uh, bodes well for you in your, your first ever home match? Uh, it's massive. I think it's massive because it gives the, the players, the fans, the organization, the staff confidence. Uh, it also allows us to uh, uh, learn from not only when we lose, but also we can learn from when we draw and win. Uh, so a lot of lessons we can take from it. And I think what will happen is as we saw in Malaysia, the difference between first and fourth position at table will be very few points. So every one of these points will count. And a lot of teams are careless at the beginning. They give away points uh, needlessly. And I think uh, our, our, our team is learning how to take points, even when we don't play so well. Uh, we didn't play so well today, I think, but, but I think we played well enough to get a point. So that's, uh, that's really a, a good sign. So one thing that I've seen has certainly been when I've I've listened to all the pre-game calls and the post-game calls, he's been so complimentary and he seems to be really enjoying his whole experience here. Like never been to Canada before, didn't know much about the league. He's learning about the vastness of the country, which I I, I was watching a a show tonight, Race Across the World, which I was watching before lots of folk were talking about. Over here, it's a BBC show of five couples trying to travel across Canada by land. They're not allowed to fly and they've got a budget. So they were going to Thunder Bay and oh, how I chortled when they were like finding out where Thunder Bay was on the map and stuff. But they've been amazed at how bad public transport is in so many of the isolated communities here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But... It's like Afshin was talking about, I didn't include this in the audio, but he was talking about just the, looking down at the country as he flies over it. So I, he seems to be really embracing Canada and the culture and the whole experience, which is fantastic to hear. Yeah. I look forward to sitting down and actually having a real conversation with him. I, I've met him briefly at the, the launch, which I was late for, where they, where he was announced or whatever. Um, like I just just said hi, didn't have time to talk to him. And then I've obviously I've been on a couple of calls with you and stuff, and I've yeah. seen him in passing at, at the games. But at some point I look forward to hopefully being able to break bread and 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 hear more of his life story. But yeah, I, I like like you, really just impressed by how uh how he speaks uh of yeah, the country, of the, of the places he goes, the teams he's playing against, yet also he's not afraid to um, speak honestly and freely and mm -hmm. um, 
constructively critical of you know the league and where things are at and what could be better and and you know I don't know I, I've just I, I really I have a lot of time for him. I'll speak to Caitlin. We'll try and get something sorted out. We'll sit down. Yeah. Well, and that, that's not my Caitlin. It's Caitlin. <laughs> Caitlin, the media person at Vancouver FC. Different oh, Caitlin White. Caitlin White, yeah. Oh yeah, I've met Kate. her. I've met her. I've sat down and had a, a brief chat with her. Oh, not brief. I, I ha haven't met her yet. We've just been sending emails I've, back and I've, forward chatting. I've hung out with I've hung out with her very briefly, but um, she seems really really nice. I keep, I need to find out. I'm pretty sure she's either the sister or related to Eric White. That was with the Whitecaps too last year, and is on oh. Art this year. But I I didn't ask her that. Mm, I I will find out. But yeah. Actually, I'll ask you something uh, about what we had in last week's show that I played, where Afshin was basically talking about the need to hire more staff because there's people that's doing like four jobs at Vancouver FC and we know how hard they have been working to get this team up and running and off the ground and the hours that they're putting in, they've all been multitasking. But it is something... I, I know money's tight for all these teams and I know a lot of these teams are, are losing a lot of money, but for this league to grow properly, you need to invest in the infrastructure, and that includes the staffing side of it. Yeah. So I think, because actually I literally just had a conversation with someone about this, uh, I think there might have one more hire on the football side of things. But my understanding, which this is a newer understanding, uh, <laughs> is that on the on the other side of things, on the operational side of things, that they're essentially at where they where they are or where they feel they should be now well this where they feel they should be and maybe where a coach coming in from other leagues that's totally. had more stuff feels they and, should be and not just that but there's also the and maybe you know more about this or i can't, I can't remember the, all the details but their salary budget i think has an element where it includes like at least the football staff right I think, like i think so because I'm pretty sure the the overall number is not just play. There's like a number that is just players, but there's a bigger number, and that includes like the coaches and the technical staff. Yeah, like, I think so. So, um, so they're limited in what they can do for that. Now, the office, the office staff. I don't know if that's also a part of that. That's mm. totally separate. But I was I was having a conversation very recently with someone who would know, um, and they they said, yeah, I think on the office side that they feel like they're fully staffed for now. But you're right. Um, because I've had a glimpse of what that what that looks what that looks like, and and there's a lot of people. Uh, well, there's, there's there's a group of people there who are working hard. There's a group. There's elements I think where there are people that are learning what it means to be work for a football club. Um, I definitely heard about 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 that and how you know those who are running that element of things are bringing people up to speed on what it looks like and what it means and what it takes and what's required and all that kind of stuff. So lots of growing pains and, and obviously they're dealing with, they're not just dealing with, Hey, like, you know, the starting of a team, it's dealing with some of these, some significant elements that they obviously do not fully control, which is the building of the stadium. Yes. I'm going to head out to train and hopefully at, at some point, later on this week and, and hopefully it should be finished because if I go Friday or Saturday and the game's on Sunday I would expect it to be finished it, it looks it looks better all the time I think all the seats are actually in and stuff but there okay. is tons of things that are still being or sorry what to my eye and my un, unknowledgeable eye seems to be a lot of elements that they are 
um, trying to bring up to a uh, usable level for the first match and obviously to completion, you know, ultimately for for the season as a whole. But mm. uh, I've, I, I've, it's going to be interesting to see what Sunday looks like in terms of what's operational and what's, you know, what's what's uh, what's going to be further developed after. Yeah, sadly, I'll miss it because I'll be commentating on the Altitude League One game, but I'll be at the next game after that. Yeah. I mean, some of the other stuff that Afshin talked about after the game on Saturday, I mean, he talked about, and this was kind of in re- reply to your question, that it's a good sign to get these road points on the board before these home games. And as you rightly pointed out, kind of the standard you look at is you win your home games, you try and pick up a point at least on the road, and if you do that, you're going to be a playoff team pretty much in in all these leagues yeah yeah and so from that perspective when you look at it that way they've had three real games they have four points so yeah. from that quote-unquote kind of perspective standard whatever that's where i think where the, the amount of points does look good yeah I, which is like I, the opposite to the white caps because vanny was saying after their game they're a little bit behind where they need to be because they've been dropping these home points True, and I think though the thing when I when you watch when you watch the games, I also feel, as much as the four feels good, I, I I feel like they could have either five or six even like I, I oh yeah I, like I, I they could have got I, something out of that Pacific game they, for they sure won obviously against York and they, I think I mean they they could have won on Saturday against Halifax well, but Halifax. they did look tired in that second half. They did, but I, just on the quality of opportunities that at the end of the game when the guys round I forget which player now is was it uh, Gabe was about to round the keeper and he kind of lost the ball in his feet. I thought for sure this is going to be a goal and that and it didn't turn into one. So the, yeah, the, in, in one sense you could say that you know if you're if you're super optimistic you could say they could even have nine mm-hmm. <laughs> um, or seven. They're running away with it. <laughs> yeah. But, but but it does it obviously going back to what you started this with, the table's embryonic, and yeah. I, I'm not I'm not excited as much as I know I messaged you you and you and Steve being like hey they're gonna finish the weekend in the top five or whatever, um, it ultimately it's it is it is crazy early days, and you won't have a sense until we're you know ten eleven, ten let's say ten games into the season was to where things are really at and, you know, how they're shaping up. Well, I saw there was a one soccer video today that I haven't watched, but the title of it was, Can Vancouver Make It Be a Playoff Team? It's like, we're three weeks into the season. It's like, you can't have discussions about any other teams like that. Every single team right now could be a playoff team. Yeah. A lot can happen in the remainder of the season. Again, Changes can happen in the summer and stuff as well. Oh, yeah. You could lose players like Pacific did last year and yes. you lose a key guy all of a sudden. Totally. And I, one of the key guys, obviously, for Vancouver FC that's not fully up to, to full thing just now is Sandoval, mm-hmm. which Ashley was talking about there, that he's come to the team with some physical issues, which does explain a lot, which is why yeah. they're managing the workload. So, I mean, we haven't even seen the the best of him yet. Yeah, he hasn't played 90 minutes, right, uh, in any match. And so... He just want to make sure that he is good for the whole season. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if he starts on, on Sunday or if he's more used as, like, second half or last 30 minutes. I, I think he's, he's the guy that they're going to want to start. 
Yeah. And, well, they're going to put there, but... Yeah, and it's got the rest now, because, I mean, I've seen, obviously, talked about the travel issues the last couple of weeks. I, I spoke to him about that last week as well. Oh, yeah, and they're, they're going from Saturday to Sunday, so they've got an yeah. extra day, so it's eight days. Yeah, he should start. But it does affect players physically, mentally, and, like, as we've played on last week's show, a few of these guys have never done this before. Even some guys that's been in the league before, they, they've only maybe played at the Island Games, where they didn't do a lot of, like, right. Sean Hundle's only been played at the island game so this is all new to to someone like him as well you talked about Ashin's honesty and he's not afraid to call things out i thought it was interesting him just to come out and say that a player was dropped because he was yes. a minute late for the team meeting i thought that was great wasn't yeah. it and yeah, i was like because, i didn't know because... kikuta had joined vancouver fc <laughs> if it was with pacific no but seriously two things right one he shows the players that this is serious. Yeah. Two, oh, well, three things. Two, it gets another young player some minutes. And St. Louis, I know maybe he wasn't amazing in the 35 minutes or whatever he played, but he is someone who... <laughs> That's a, an understatement. <laughs> well, he he he's one of the younger players. He wasn't chosen, I think, for the trip to Pacific. Um. So I think he's... But he's one of the guys who was left behind but battled and showed well in training is my understanding which is why he got to be a part of this trip yeah and so i think it was you know and then the reward was hey someone else is being dropped you're being added so yeah he it was a growing experience for him so okay you show the players you mean you're serious you show players there's opportunity and then thirdly he showed that even though those both those things are important those first two things are important Ultimately, we do need to we do need to get results, and so he's not afraid to say, "Hey, you're having a a, a first half that, or your your role in this first half is maybe limiting our ability to get a result in this game." So I'm gonna I'm gonna pull you off. Yeah, and 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 Nima coming on, who obviously was the player who you know was punished for with the not non starting, made it made a difference in the middle of the park, like he, just his. Not even it was, which was, was good for him because he's had a shaky start as well. Yeah, but in this game, his I think his presence alone gave solidity to that midfield, along with you know the stalwart play of Elliot Simons. Yeah. Oh, like Simmons. Simmons, sorry, Simmons. He yeah, there was 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 it twice in that or was it once in that in that game where he got called for a foul on just like an absolutely beautiful tackle. Uh, did you see that one where he got called for the foul and it was yeah. just like. It was like perfect, perfect tackle, but he got called for the foul, which was of ridiculous. Course. Even was it Jimmy Brennan on the broadcast is like, yeah, that's never a foul. <laughs> I'm sure he's had a few good tackles in his, his career as well. It's good to hear Afshin not being afraid to to say stuff like that, but also, as you say, to react so quickly and make the changes. Yeah, which is something I'm very critical of other managers in the past. And Vanny is like not maybe reacting to something quick enough. That, that he's seen. So, I mean, he, that's he, a positive. He seems like a like such a composed, well-thought-out coach. Yeah. Like, there's bit... that. There's the balancing the Sandoval. Like, he knew Sandoval was going to go 60 or 70 tops, right? So, he's balancing all these things. He's bringing in players. He's seeing, you know, at the end of the game, both Gabe and, uh, and Shan are tired up front. So, he brings in these young guys who create a bit of, you know, create a bit, and there's a bit of a, they have half chances or whatever. Like, I don't know. I just I like how I like I like I like I like how he's coaching. 
One thing I'll ask you there, again, I talked on, on the last show about, but haven't had your thoughts on it. What do you feel about this tie-up with Unity? I mean, there's the positives, obviously, of a guy like Nathaniel can go and get these minutes yeah. and learn and be competitive. I, 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 we were talking about this on the TSS broadcast as well. I would have loved it to have been a two-way system. So if someone on right. Unity, like a, listen, vic a victory shambusho, stands out, and now all of a sudden yeah. it's like he gets a shot. Yeah, I listened to your podcast, and once again, I wondered why you ever have anyone else join you on it because you don't you don't really need it. Um, you don't need us, Michael. You can just do something. I, I do. I need other opinions. <laughs> um, but no, um, I think although your point is valid, I think as a pilot project, as a first time thing, I think that it makes sense for it to be one way for now. Yeah, I mean, um, on on the whole, I love it. It's yeah. a, I think it's a good thing. Uh, in terms of you know it being unity for Vancouver FC, obviously uh, geographically it makes sense. Um, I, I have a strong appreciation for Mike Sheeran and know yeah. him know him a little bit, and so I'm I'm I hope that that will bring fruit uh, for for Vancouver FC and will be meaningful for Unity. You know some of the some of the, the people in the fanatics have already been like, hey, so now we got to get to Unity games and support them. Oh, that's I'm good. Like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. Like what? Because they want to know the players or they want to yeah. support, our, especially if our players are going down. Um, to get experience to to go and support them there and stuff, so that's good because there was when we were when we were talking about this, there was talk should we start with going to uni games and it just didn't never worked out. Like we we tried actually, I don't know if we talked about this on the show or I just talked about it with you in the past. We tried to choose a couple of Unity games, but the schedule was so bad with either my my life or a bunch of our lives or like just other events in the I it was the football calendar or whatever it was. And there was only, I think there was only a couple games that were, that looked good. And then when we talked to people about them, it wasn't enough critical mass to make it meaningful. And so we never, we never did it, but maybe that'll, maybe that'll change this year. Maybe there will be some, uh, some more, some more people get out and. Maybe I'll see you at a TSS Unity game. Oh, that could be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Get both. It's nice to have the supporters groups because last year, the only supporters groups that came to, for TSS was Altitude. So you had right. the supporters groups at either side and they had their big flags and everything. And there was a lot of fun. Were there altitude in the north end? Yes. They had smoke yeah. and they had a big flag and everything. Yeah, I would never go. Oh, yeah, I would. You, you won't. Yeah, whatever. We'll, I know. Yeah, I know you'd want to be under the stand for obviously having a roof. Yeah, for multiple yeah. reasons. Well, talking of roofs, there won't be one on Sunday. There's my, <laughs> there's my little segue. Um, and I think it's to rain as well, by the looks of it. So good luck, everybody. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, let's. If you finish. don't have tickets, if you don't have tickets, go buy them. Get out. It's going to be good. Get your rain jacket and come to the game. It's going to be memorable. Are they giving out free ponchos? I have no idea. <laughs> I have Maybe no idea. Maybe you should make a suggestion. Yeah. Black ponchos? Hmm. That'd be interesting. I, I, don't think the, I don't think there's such a thing as black and red ponchos. So black ponchos would be the best. I'm sure you can get red ones as well, but yeah, black, black, that would be just like a black mass. You could, yeah. kinda, that could be the supporters section. Yeah, well, no, we'll talk about the name of that. Yeah, right? okay. Didn't think you'd like that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, it is the home opener on Sunday. Cavalry are coming to town. They're only a point behind because there's not much to choose between all the teams just now, but. But we won't really talk too much about the game. I just wanted to know, from your perspective, what this means to you to have this 
home game. You've been built into this for years. And as the, the supporters group as well, what, what this is going to mean to you on Sunday and, and what you're hoping for really from it all. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of excitement, but it's also there's also like a lot of unknowns, right? Um, we haven't been able to be in the be in the ground together. Uh, have I honest? I haven't been up in the section yet because I, I'm not sure if uh, if, I know, if I get in trouble if I go in there into that part. I've been I've been on the field and stuff, but I haven't been in, in any of the stadium parts. Like the you also want to make sure it doesn't fall down. That it's like yeah, you're reason. in there and it's like oh you haven't tightened the screws yet. <laughs> exactly. Well, actually, the one time I was there. Yeah, the screws were definitely not in the concrete on the bottom, the bottom part where I was looking. Um, but no, so there's there's a lot of excitement, and yet there's also the like, okay, how is this gonna fully play out? You know what I mean? So I think, I think the hopefully the excitement and the the joy of the occasion uh, can can carry the day, and then you know the next game will be able to be a little bit more ready for how things will best work you know what i mean so i guess i hope there's a lot of grace from people who are, join us in the in the end there and um yeah i mean the the pacific away game again same thing didn't know we knew how many people there were going to be we knew where we were in the stadium it was the stadium we've been to before but we didn't know even with those 80 80 people how they were going to yeah they're going to join in and like virtually all of them were like you know, really joined in like even more than I kind of thought they might, and so that was encouraging. Yeah. So if it's, if it's anywhere similar to that in like even just one of the five sections in the end, I, like I think like that'll be a good step. I think. You, you've but... got your beer cans ready. <laughs> well, the section is quite a distance from the pitch, so it would take. We need some like I don't know, baseball players. <laughs> <or something. laughs> but no, Michael, we don't condone throwing beer cans. Even though I know you do. <laughs> yes. I, I mean, we've joked before about the whole condone and condemn, which started Football Violence Awareness Month. There was a, an unfortunate incident at, uh, at East Fife game on Saturday. And I meant to read the, the East Fife statement out saying that East Fife were an all-inclusive club, but I said all-exclusive. On your other podcast? Yeah, just to make things worse. <laughs> I see we struggle with these meanings of things but there we go i did correct i caught myself and corrected it but um but there's going to be some traveling fans there as well making yeah. the trip through cavalry so hopefully it'll be a good atmosphere i just hope it's a good occasion it would be great if the rain does hold off it, 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 would, be it would be fantastic to have a nice nice afternoon out in langley if you haven't got your tickets yet get along there's only one chance to go to a club's first ever home game i'm yeah. sadly missing it so don't you miss out either i think there's still a few tickets available Probably um, just a handful, but yeah. And um, no, I, like I've even had people in different, different, different soccer associations have been saying, "Hey, their association is has tickets or whatever." So if you have kids who are in football, you might be hearing from your association. But um, cool. I'm genuinely curious to see what kind of crowd to draw for this one, mm -hmm. for the second one, because there should still be a bit of a carryover. And I think it's the third and fourth games onwards that's going to be the really interesting ones because well, that. Uh, the fourth game is the Friday night against Pacific, I think. Yeah, so that one should be a good crowd. Although I have seen some Pacific fans really not happy the fact that they switched their game to the Saturday, so Vancouver fans could go over without an overnight stay. But now they're having to come here on the Friday and have to have an overnight stay, and that is... Well, they should talk to enough. Josh Simpson and have him... You know what that is, right? No. You, know it's fr you know it's Friday night. I, don't, I, I know it is, but I don't know why. You don't? No. It's be 
It's because it's the it's the uh, unseen hand of the of the CFL people who think having a Friday night game is great because that's what they do in the CFL. That's what it's all about. That's what those Friday games are all about. They want to have like a Friday night game that the nations can tune into or whatever. They want to have like a that. That's why they. That's why they put some of those games on Friday night. They think. Well, no, they, knowing what Friday night traffic from here on the highway is to get out, I don't. Hopefully, there's a lot of fans buying tickets from the, the valley area, and I. I still. I. I want to hear, but I'm watching the the game back on one soccer. I want to hear the team run out to the skids into the valley, and if they don't do that, I'm going to be very disappointed. I don't I don't know what to tell you on that front yet. I don't I don't I don't know if that's gonna happen for you or not. I mean that is the song to go with. If you're listening, Rob, Caitlin, anyone, Gail Sandoval, I'm sure he's listening <laughs> to try and understand my accent a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> I, think I, I think I cut that part out of the actual audio I played where I had to repeat my question to him because he didn't understand <laughs> what I was asking. Then I had to speak slower and I took it just a little bit too far. But anyway, let's hope it's a great occasion. I can't wait to get out and get into the stadium, which will be for, for game two, but I will be there for that. So, yeah, let us know your thoughts on Twitter. Are you excited for this? Are you heading out to the game? We'd love to know. That is it for the football chat for the show. We're going to finish, as always though, with this episode's wavelength. It's a part of the show where we play a song all about football. Could be by a band, could be by a team. This week it is a by a band, and it's an American band that hail from Inglewood, California. They're a punk oi band. And this is a song from the, the album of the same name, released in 1996. And I thought, I've saved this one because it is the home opener on Sunday for Vancouver FC. This is The Choice and their song, Sunday Soccer. Oh, 
The Choice, Sunday Soccer there. We hope Sunday is a great soccer experience, a great football experience for everyone that takes in that Vancouver FC's first ever home match. That is it for this episode of the AFTN Soccer Show. Thank you as always for joining us. Just before we go though, Zach, any final thoughts? Anything fun that caught your eye this week? Where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, occasionally tweeting or retweeting your stuff at Zachary AM. Um, I love that. I love that. I guess we didn't touch on it earlier. I love that tweet that about about the was it the Rivers match? Oh yeah. yes. Oh, how did I forget to mention this so, earlier? Yeah. So the Rivers match apparently during a stoppage in play. From, from in the press box from the press box we still don't know where it's come from the people yeah. that run the club don't know what happened they started playing this podcast so the intro with the yeah i used to think comfortably and then the music yeah oh, so that I means see. that an east fife game and a rivers game i've had my podcast accidentally broadcast oh it's so good because I mentioned before at an East Fife game, they tried to just play the theme tune, hadn't cut it off, and then you just hear me going, hey, 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 everybody. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, uh, so I'm occasionally on there. Uh, FV Fanatics, Fraser, Fraser Valley Fanatics, uh, Twitter, Facebook, now on Instagram. Um, get, get, get connected to us there, or fvfanatics at gmail.com if you want to be more involved. Um, yeah, this is going to be an interesting, interesting weekend to see how things play out at home and if we can bring people together to vocally support things um together and um yeah thanks to you we, we have we have some so- certain songs we have to sing oh yes i haven't asked you about that so i i did commit to sean hundle yeah. that you're going to sing a song for him in the sixth minute of every single game i i, I honestly you're welcome. I don't... <laughs> I don't know if it's going to happen every single game, but I think they're, they're, it's likely that something will happen this match. But w- I think what happens this match won't happen every single game. Okay, that's fine. Well, as long as he gets that, I, I did promise him. You wouldn't yeah. want to let him down. Yeah. I'll talk to you more <laughs> with that when we're done. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I just I couldn't resist that. I'll have a word with Zach for you. He'll sort yeah. of <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Read all our stuff away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. And of course, check out our YouTube channel. Give us a like, subscribe, all that stuff. Lots of Provincial Cup games, VMSL games, TSS, post-game video and stuff that we're doing on that as well. We'll have a big build-up coming up on that as well for the Pacific game. If you like the podcast, leave some reviews and five-star reviews if you feel we're worthy of that. That always helps. I never ever ask folk for that or seldom do, so I always forget. But yeah, leave some reviews. It'd be nice to see those. We'll be back with another episode soon. Until then, thanks for listening. Take care. And just enjoy all this feast of football. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. Ten minutes left. Yeah, but-